Hello and welcome to Cannabis Nation, where we help guide you through the wonderful and complex world of cannabis by shedding light on your most burning questions and dankest desires. I'm Nick. And I'm Susan. And this is episode 29, Woo! and it's movie, movie time! Hit it! Love the fanfare. Yeah. Today we're going to be discussing some news out of California first, yeah. and then we're going to get into some reviewing reviewing some of cannabis's most popular yeah. cinematic enterprises. Yes. Launch, you, go really? ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and you might be shocked by our list. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going necessarily with uh, the most that, well-known. Yeah. In some aspects, yes, but yeah. we just decided we'd uh, we'd keep it on Makes a little sense. bit of a theme. Yeah. So. Uh, we'll tell you more about that when we get there. But yes. first, let's go to California, Susan. All right. Well, in California, which, by the way, is the world's largest cannabis market, they were uh, the cannabis market was granted a generous package of tax cuts. That's the legal market, by the way. Because, as we know, the illegal market doesn't have to pay taxes. Nope. Okay. The impact of this... Not unless they catch you. <laughs> then they take it all. Mm-hmm. Let me <laughs> Okay. So the impact of this tax cut might be felt across the globe, supposedly. And why? That's because California isn't just the world's biggest and oldest pot economy. Its massive illicit marijuana market also has an outside influence across the industry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, prior to mass legalization across the U.S., um, I think they grew something like over 60% of all weed that was smoked smoked. in the U S that was, if you were lucky enough to get that stuff and we didn't, you didn't get Midwest and get that Mexican bullshit. Yeah. You know, it, it was huge, but you got to admit, I mean, like by the time it got, it didn't get to Illinois unless you knew, you know, somebody who was traveling across the country and just happened like somebody's, your older, your best friend's older brother who's in college kind of friend who's back from Cali kind of a deal. Yeah, you know there wasn't I mean? exactly the distribution network no. set up there for it. They didn't need to go that far. They were making freaking bank without yeah. having to go that far, right? So now um, uprooting an entrenched illicit market, you know, conti- continues to be a problem in this cannabis nation nationwide. Despite three quarters of the states legalizing either recreational or medical sales. Underground purchases were worth, listen to this, $70 billion with a B in 2021, okay, compared to the $26.5 billion with a B for the legal industry. Now, that's according to estimates from the new Frontier data. Okay? I, wonder, I wonder how they even estimate illegal. I know. See, I know. That's what I, I thought that too, but I thought it was worth, a, you know. Oh, totally. You know, worth I mean, it, in there. It's probably based on off something that, you know. Uh, I'm just curious. I'm, yeah. I'm going to look into that. Because, like, who's reporting, right? Yeah. Now, nowhere is the problem more pervasive than in California, where the unlicensed market continues not only to exist but thrive because of a unique confluence of factors. Love mm. that word, by the way, confluence. Yeah. Many of the businesses that operate without licenses today were part of a decades-old medical market that flourished under relaxed medical regular regulations voters had approved through the proposition 215 in 1996 
And that uh, is still a network that is used to move these products and selling things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And more than 60% of cities and countries still ban all, I mean, excuse me, counties, more than 60% of cities and counties in California still all ban retail marijuana businesses that i.e. the legal stuff wild okay according to the data from the california department of cannabis control so this has created a uh, a wide swath of the state where it is difficult for consumers to even access legal cannabis wow All so right? only in 40 percent of municipalities can you buy cannabis that's crazy okay so so you can see how right that doesn't mean that people aren't consuming and purchasing oh no in those counties or cities by yeah. any means right but are they driving you know no especially with miles gas every prices yeah, the way seriously. they are today are you out of your mind <laughs> <laughs> my god yeah yeah well california's law will wipe out a tax on marijuana cultivation uh-huh. which brought in around 14 percent of total state level tax on marijuana or around 166 million in 2021 that's according to the state yeah that's a paltry amount though yeah you know. uh the aim is to help growers and retailers out from at least one layer of taxation yeah. while balancing the needs of the state okay California has earmarked revenue for youth and environmental programs and must also fund costs created by the industry, such as dealing with drugged drivers, which, I mean, that was probably happening before the industry. I wouldn't say it was created by the industry, but no, yeah, you know, there's definitely more focus on it from law enforcement for sure. Right. Marijuana businesses, meanwhile, say they need help because they struggle to compete with cheaper illegal weed that isn't taxed or screened for contaminants. That's right. Add an oversupply of cannabis following last year's bumper crop, and the economic climate is increasingly tough. Yeah, yeah. Many small operators have expected to fail or consolidate. See? See? The tax break will thus help legal cultivators, mm-hmm. some of whom have been burning excess marijuana yeah. or selling it to the black market to avoid paying the onerous cultivation tax, which was based on weight yeah. rather than the price of goods sold. Yeah. <laughs> And cultivators were vulnerable to the recent declines in prices. Right. The tax even had to be paid by cultivators uh, cultivators before they could get revenue from the sale of their cannabis and were charged even if the marijuana was never never sold. Sold. They gave an incentive just to dispose of the product instead of paying the required tax without knowing whether it would actually end up being sold. So obviously this was an insane tax. You had to be taxed. On how much you grew, not how much you sold, which no right. other business is taxed on what they produce versus what they sell. Hello? I mean, like, these corn people, when they separate, like, the corn that they're going to keep and the mm-hmm. to sell to us or if they're going to turn it into feed or whatever. Yeah. It would be like saying, you have to pay tax on all of this as if you sold it all, number yeah. one, and number two, you sold it at this price, right? In fact, like, most businesses can uh, get tax breaks because of losses, and yeah. in the cannabis industry, you have to pay more taxes on your losses. It's like saying that to the, or- the orange, orange, wow, orange growers in Florida, that was yeah. more difficult than I thought it was. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Saying that even though that this spring you had that frost that killed all your buds and everything, you still, you know what I mean? You got to pay taxes on what you would have sold. No, even, no, no. Right? Like, or you have these oranges that something, yeah, that's it. If you have those oranges that something does happen to and they all freeze and stuff, yeah. you have to pay no matter what. Yeah. 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 So, I, now... Other details of the relief package include tax breaks for... So I'm glad 
you know, that they've done away with the cultivar. Yeah, that okay? was an insane tax. That was stupid. And right. So other details of the relief package include tax breaks for employers who pay more than 150% of minimum wage and $10,000 in tax credits for the industry's so-called social equity operators. So what are those? Those are minority groups that were hurt by uh, disproportionate arrest rates for cannabis in the past. The industry now wants these group to sh- groups to share in the profits of the legalized sales. Okay. Social equity operators will also get a rebate on taxes they remit to the state, allowing them to keep 20% of it to reinvest in operations. Yay! Yeah. Yeah, which is great. I mean, that's that was in almost all the legal cannabis laws that's been put in stipulations yeah. about helping out the minorities that were, you know, uh, inversely affected uh, by affected them. And by then the groups that are helping with that. You yeah. Know? So I, I love it. And, and as well, we should. Yeah. I mean, the one question I have is that like, okay, so the tax break for employers who pay more than 150% of minimum wage. Um, I mean, cool. That's a, that's awesome to incentivize paying people more. Right. But one, why wouldn't you just increase minimum wage? Two, is that tax break going to beat the, the amount that they will be paying more for their minimum wage workers. My guess is no. Right. So it's still. Because, yeah, how much of a tax rate? Yeah. Right. So, again, you know, this is and this is what's this. This I love that you asked that question because State Senator Wiener. Am I saying that right? It's Wiener. It's Wiener. It's I know. I know how to pronounce it. 100%. There is no other way to say it. Senator Weiner, the state senator from California, Weiner, a veteran lawmaker who has recently become more involved in cannabis legislation, didn't hide his frustration with the negotiations around the bill, mm-hmm. saying that um, Newsom's administration, and I'm assuming that's you know the the uh, uh, the governor, uh, focused heavily on helping cannabis growers rather than other segments of the market, right? From early on, Wiener said, the administration, that, and I'll never fully understand why, he says, decided that we needed to, in, to provide comprehensive relief to cultivars, but far less relief to retailers. Right? And mm-hmm. uh, that's exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, uh, I, I sort of understand where he's coming from, but like one, I mean, that tax on cultivators was, was stupid, was insane. Like that's going to kill so many businesses. Yeah. Um, and two, um, I mean, the, the way, the way it's in Washington state where we operate out of, um, is the same way. Originally there was a tax, uh, but it was on products sold, not on, not on production, but it was, there was a tax from producer to processor to retailer and then to customers. So there were taxes all along the way. All along the board. They stripped those all down and, uh, laid the taxes just, to, uh, just to, retailer to customer. customer. Um, and while it might seem unfair to burden the retailers as somebody who's worked in the retail, uh, industry, the, the, um, the, the burden does still get, uh, pushed down the line because the retailers decide which products make it onto their shelves. Exactly. If they can't afford to sell a product with the market markup required to pay the taxes, then they're not going to buy that product from the growers and therefore, uh, either there needs to be an increase in quality to match the price being 
put out there or a decrease in price to match the quality okay. to make it a sellable product. Um, that being said, there have been races to the bottom that have hurt many yes. businesses. Yes. Um, and and that, but that is a symptom of the retail environment of, of yeah, or you know the free market. Well, and I wanted to speak to that. Just because these guys are going to get a tax break, is that actual? Are they going to actually lower their prices now for the retailers, or are they going to keep them at the same as if they were paying the taxes? I mean, you know, yeah. some may and some may not. Who exactly. Knows? So we may see a hike in you may if you're in California, you may see a hike in prices um, happen depending on how they deal with this. I mean, they they or at least that will stay. Uh, level for a little bit but as we saw in washington state they did the same thing and even in washington state they increased the retail tax while decreasing the other taxes so so we saw a price hike happen because a lot of the growers decided no i mean we've been operating you know eating crumbs for this whole time now we have the opportunity to make some money yeah yeah but over time you know uh a lot of growers caved on that and said, well, you know, if we do lower the prices, we're going to sell a lot more. And I expect that'll happen here, too. Well, and unfortunately, like we've been talking about at the beginning of this, that there's still this huge illicit market that, mm-hmm. you know, isn't subjected to any of these rules and regulations. Because yeah. even opening up a legal operation costs money out of, you know, out of pocket. You're not going to really get a loan for that. Yeah. So and if you do it, that's going to what's the interest rate on that? So just suffice to say you know, <laughs> there's even the senators know this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's another one, uh, State Senator Stephen uh, Bradford. He'd echoed this the criticism that Wiener did, saying that the deal offers equity businesses meager crumbs with the hopes that they will remain quiet. Yeah. Right? You know, so. Well, and it, I mean, it's it's another big issue that even we have in Washington state is that. You know, while a lot of these laws put in saying, quote unquote, they're going to help, um, you know, the equity businesses out, uh, that's if they can even get up off the ground and started. Mm-hmm. For example, in Washington state, there's a rule that you can't have, um, you know, uh, X amount of points on your record, which are caused by uh, felony crimes uh, and, and own a cannabis business. Right. So people that went to prison and we're or charged cannabis. federally for cannabis or even, I mean, you have to realize that like, okay, even if you expunge the records of cannabis uh, based crimes, you have to realize that having operated in an illicit market for that extended period of time brings in lots of other crimes that you have to commit in order to operate in that illicit market. For Absolutely. example, money laundering, yes. for example, possible weapons charges yes. for protection because yeah. you are not a protected, you have no insurance, you are right. a, a, um Various other charges that aren't directly because of the cannabis, but are and brought in. It's it's kind of it's kind of funny the banana peel of um of when you get charged f- for a, you know mm-hmm. for a, a felony. You yeah, know, it's like a banana peel. Like you you got busted for the one thing, but then here comes three or exactly four other they're going to tax every single <laughs> possible thing on. Yeah, so that they can scare you, get a plea deal, get you and to keep your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so you plea down to the to the crime you actually committed, you know, instead of, you know, <laughs> right. you take on 15 others just to scare you into 
giving a plea deal because they're like, well, this is your best option. It's like, well. Yeah, so a lot of those people got put taken out of the, you know, mm-hmm. legalized loop. Mm-hmm. As, and are still operating on the illicit market, market because, one, they can't operate on the legal cannabis market. And, two, we all know having a felony on your record makes it very hard to get any sort of job, yeah. uh, any sort of housing. Well, so you're forced anything. back to the illicit market. Yeah, anything. Know? So, you know, uh, it's a nice start. And thank you, California, for, mm-hmm. you know, at least you guys are talking about it. At least you're talking about it in this in the state Senate. And, you know, let's just keep moving forward, guys. And stay tuned to find out how this will all impact our cannabis nation. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, it's definitely, a, once again, a good start, but yeah. it requires a lot more. And I hope they don't just say, OK, you're good. We did it. Yeah. <laughs> Because they did Enough already. Enough Jesus. already. Jeez, stop bugging uh, us. <laughs> so now, on with the main portion of our show yeah, today, our, the movie show. Overture. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, In this episode, we thought it might be fun to dive into some of Cannabis's more iconic films. Yes. Uh, We're going to start with the oldest and the most deadly. Yeah. And one of the earliest movies to gain popularity because of how bad it is. Oh my gosh. Yes. We're talking about Reefer Madness, everybody. Wow. So for those not in the know. Yeah, tell them. Reefer Madness is a 1936 American propaganda film about drugs revolving around the melodramatic events that ensue when high school students are lured by pushers to try marijuana. And upon trying it, they become addicted and their addiction leads them to become involved in various crimes such as a hit and run accident, manslaughter, murder, conspiracy to murder and attempted rape. Uh Uh-huh. While this is all happening, they suffer hallucinations, descend into insanity associated with organized crime and, uh, in one character's case, commit suicide. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ah. The film was directed by uh, Louis J. Gasnier. Gasnier? Gasnier. Nay. Gasnier? Nesnier. Because that's, isn't that an... A and when French, no. I don't know. Gaznier, yeah. Anyway, go and ahead. And featured a cast of mainly little-known actors. Okay, now I just want to interrupt you, Nick, and mm-hmm. just say when I was reading about this, this guy Louis Gaznier, Gaznier, Louis. Uh, he was kind of a successful filmmaker. Yeah. Right, and he had many movies that you guys have never heard of that mm-hmm. were acclaimed. Okay, and then this is his last thing, and it's like. What really? He hell? didn't make anything else after no. this? No. Well, <laughs> this kind of ruined his career, I think. Yeah. Anyway, seriously. Go ahead. Yeah. So originally the film was financed by a church group under the title Tell Your Children. <laughs> the film was intended to be shown to parents as a morality tale, yeah. attempting to teach them about the dangers of cannabis use. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Soon after it was shot, though, it was purchased by producer Dwayne Esper, who recut the film for distribution on the exploitation film circuit. Yes. Exploiting vulgar, vulgar interest yeah. while escaping censorship mm-hmm. under the yeah. guise of moral guidance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Beginning in 1938 to 1939 through the 1940s yeah. and 50s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So immediately, uh-huh. um, it immediately was recognized as like, oh, there's some wild shit that oh, happens in this film. my God. And it's financed by the church and it's yeah. supposed to be a morality tale, but we'll just show it. I'm going to show it in the. And in, we cut it. We yep. edited it. 
showed in the midnight theater, midnight drive-ins, you know, to oh. people looking for the wild blood and gore and stuff that they what. couldn't get past in movies, but unless it was for quote unquote uh, moral, you know, reasons. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Now, moral guidance. Yeah, exactly. So I will tell you, Nick and I were talking about, you know, doing a brief synopsis stuff, and we realized that this movie. People actually die. Lots of people. And we, die when in this we story. talked about with the suicides, that's like, oh, that's right. At the yeah. end, there's the fourth, right? Yeah. So there's like, all right, I'm not gonna do any spoilers for you guys because I want to know. And please, you know, let me know, message me or something, and let me know if you could watch this movie and walk away knowing who did what to whom. Nope. Okay. But I know that four people died. Yep. All right. There was a create. There was a crazy piano man. Yep. That was that was my favorite. <laughs> and then everybody is like, by our standards, like dressed. To, oh for like, yeah. For Everybody's in suits dinner. and dresses. Yeah. It is even wild. like the casual stuff is like you know the button down shirt with the sweater vest right. over the top of it and slacks and a belt. I know. You know, it was like. I kind of, I was like, huh, look at that. They all wore clothes. Not everybody wore flip-flops and shorts. Yeah. You know, I was, I don't know. Even like the gangsters are well-dressed in this thing. They better be. Yeah, but I defy you to watch this thing first round and know who's who and what happened at the end of it and have a clear picture. And you could even talk about it with people. It's absolutely wild. We, Susan brought up the the crazy piano scene oh where a guy smokes some weed yeah. and just she the girl's playing piano. He just keeps yelling faster, 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 faster. faster. Ah! Yeah. And, just, <laughs> and he plays yeah. faster, and yeah. faster, or tries to. Yeah, with this wild look in his eye. You know it's what like, I mean? What what kind of weed are you I smoking? Know, seriously, I don't know, guys. Like, and then immediately <laughs> commits a murder. Right, just some guy I, walks through the door. I think he was associated with the crime or yeah, syndicate or something like, but like it, like happily like yeah like, hey how's it going yeah. bud and he just beats him over the head immediately yeah and this frenzy this yeah. wild frenzy yeah it is absolutely ridiculous absolutely. clearly uh clearly a ridiculous propaganda film that ended up having an absolutely adverse effect especially as it like was kind of uncovered again in the 70s, yeah. um, but as a joke because oh, it's so ridiculous, yeah. you know, especially when exploitation uh, films started getting very, very popular back in that day. And I'm going to I'm gonna ask uh, Nick for an alley-oop here. What is it called when a movie becomes like some kind of some genre or something? It's a, uh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. It's a... Uh, when it becomes a genre? Like, you know, like it becomes like so famous. It's beyond like, it's not oh. even good. You know, it's a... Um, a cult classic. A cult classic. Yeah, yeah, there a we cult go. Classic. Jesus. Yeah. I don't know no, totally is. is. Yeah, totally yeah. is. It was one. Uh, it's been widely recognized as one of the worst movies ever made. Omg. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Omg. And that's led it to becoming incredibly popular because yeah, of it. It is so bad, especially in the marijuana community. So we have yeah. to say thank you, Reefer Madness, thank for being you. such a horrible movie that yeah. you turn yourself into a joke. Yeah. And uh, became a uh, marijuana classic movie. A cult classic. Absolutely. Great. A cannabis yeah. classic. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Cinema. So, all right. Now we're going on to 
uh, now moving from Reefer Madness, and like we're going from like you know this thing was filmed like back in the twenties or thirties, right? Yeah, it yeah. came out in thirty eight, so four years after weed was first made uh, oh, that's, illegal that's right. in the in the U S. That's right. So it takes us all the way to nineteen eighty one until oh, we get yeah. a, you know, and I'm not saying that in the sixties there wasn't some movies that you know had. You know marijuana yeah. in them, but I'm talking about like a film based. We're yeah. he and Nick and I were like based on. You well, know, I mean, and 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 that being said, you know, 1981, we're talking about Cheech and Chong Night yeah. Streams. Yeah, that was a third movie. So they. Oh, that's right, because it was 78 when they first came out. I think with their first one was like yeah. 78. Yeah. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah, yeah, and so we decided to do Nice Dreams because we had done. Uh, in our previous episode about bongs, about how Chong got busted, his company was called Nice, nice Dreams. Dreams. Right? So we decided to review the funeral yeah. film related with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And wasn't the operation called Operation... Pipe Dreams. Pipe Dreams, that's yep. it. So we went with Nice Dreams. Now, uh the Chicha Chong's Nice Dream is a 1981 American adventure action comedy film directed by Tommy Chong and starring him and Cheech, okay? And it's their third feature film. It was released in 1981 by Columbia Pictures, no less. Yeah, big and, boys. Yeah, and the film focuses on the duo having gotten rich selling cannabis out of an ice cream chuck, truck and evading the Drug Enforcement uh, Administration led by Sergeant Stadanko, who is Stacy Keach, no less, you guys. <laughs> I love him. Who are trying to bust an uh, alleged drug kingpin named Mr. Big. Mr. And discover Big. a strain of marijuana that turns people into lizards, including Sergeant Sedenko, who has been smoking cannabis to get inside the head of the drug <laughs> user. Okay. All right. Because oh in order to God. catch one, you got to turn yourself into one, apparently. Mm -hmm. You know. All right. So the film co-stars uh, Paul Rubens and Evelyn Guerrero, and um, and features small appearances by co comedians uh, Sandra Bernhardt, thank you, and Michael Winslow, thank you, and a cameo by Timothy Leary, which Timothy was so Leary great. Timothy Leary himself. Oh, my God, that was so great. And if you guys don't know, Evelyn Guerrero is, uh, isn't that the um, Donna? Isn't that Donna? Like, and Donna's in all the movies. Like in Donna's like Cheech's like oh I don't know right and then I don't know some I I know that I don't know if it's Paul or Michael but that uh, one of them is uh, Pee Wee Herman <laughs> yeah and Pee Wee Herman's in a couple of the movies too yeah yep. yeah so Nice Dreams grossed thirty five million dollars but it received mixed reviews okay and. Remember, it was kind of an underground film. I mean, you know. You yeah, know. I mean, by the third one, it was pretty well known. Yeah. The first one was was definitely like uh, underground to start, but ended up getting a huge reception. So then they hit the second one, went just wild out because they were like, all right, they want us to make another. Yeah. And then you hit the third one here, which is a fun Cheech and Chong movie. Yeah. But definitely riding the coattails of the previous oh, two, I would say. Oh, for sure. <laughs> right? Now, 
This was the first Columbia release to feature the 1981 through 1993 logo and fanfare that you now recognize as Cheech and Chong. Okay, mm-hmm. but I will say that I I don't know if you guys know the history of Cheech and Chong, but they started out in in a strip club in Vancouver that Chong's family owned. So Chong and his wife went up there to go take care of this strip club for the family, right? Yeah. And back in the day, I don't know if they do this still or not. I could not confirm, deny knowledge of what happens in a strip club. However, that being said, <laughs> <laughs> okay, back in the day, they used to do this between girls' acts, they mm-hmm. would do these comedy, like they'd have a comic that would come out and then the That's comic wild. would introduce. I've never seen that. Yeah. And the comic would introduce, introduce the, the next girl. Okay. Right. And, or performer name, whatever. Yeah. Right. And so back to that tradition, Chong and Cheech would do these stupid little skits and they became like, everybody loved them. Like he yeah. would either do a song or these little skits together and people loved it. So they kind of got discovered and said, you know, they got offered this opportunity to go down to California and make some movies. And they were like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And then they blew up and then they took their show from opening for strippers to opening for rock bands. uh, I mean, they went on tour with, uh, uh, Frickin' Ozzy, didn't they? And oh, open for Black Sabbath. I'm pretty know sure they that. did. Yeah, Ooh, but yeah, I would have loved to see that. that Which is rad. Great. I mean, yeah. How many like massive rock bands have comedians open for? Oh, That's... see more shit, you guys. There's a little tip for you. More rock bands should yeah. have comedians that open for them. Yeah, and then like introduce them, like you know, kind of rally the crowd, totally. get the crowd in a good mood, and then here's the show, right? Yeah, yeah. So I just uh, and also. This is not my nice dreams is not my favorite of me neither. You know, the the canon of Cheech and Chong, as it were, you know. Yeah. I I prefer um I definitely prefer the one where they go to Amsterdam, which I think is still smoking. Yeah. Yeah. So uh anyway, you know, if you guys wanna if it, it, you know, if you guys are sick or laid up yeah. or somebody's got COVID, you know, go ahead and watch the whole gamut. Yeah. So we, yeah, exactly. Watch all the Cheech and Chong movies yeah. back to back and yeah. then, and then tell us what you like the best. But, um, I mean, so kind of to break down what we're going with these movies. I mean, we go with, we started with, um, uh, Reefer Madness, which right. of course it, it was there to absolutely demonize weed yeah. and and make it seem like the worst thing. We we jumped to Cheech and Chong, right. which popularized you know the marijuana culture in a, in a large way. However, they still wasn't a really good look for weed. Oh, okay, and let me. Just I mean, this say, weed turned people into lizards. lizards. And not only that, you guys. If anybody is sensitive at all to any kind of yeah. racism or anything, yeah, a lot of the jokes do not not the movie hold up for you. Okay, yeah. I mean, and just know that it was a different time and it's in a different context. Yeah, is the best that I can offer in this cautionary. Yeah, uh, it definitely there was some racy humor ooh. that is not doesn't really hold up. Very misogynistic yeah. stuff. Exactly racist. Stop. And all framed around like the just a couple bumbling idiots that yeah. are just somehow bouncing their way through the movie. Oh, yeah. You know? Chong's like constantly smoking pot or yeah. trying to in these things. Mm-hmm. And when I say racist, I mean like I'm not calling them racist by any means. That is not 
what I'm here to say. I'm saying that some of the content might be seen as racist yeah, to some viewers. Definitely. Right. Definitely. Okay. Um, I want to clarify that. Maybe yeah. to most, but yeah. there's yeah. <laughs> Or misogynist, yeah. misogyny. I'm just saying... To some viewers, it's going to like. Okay. You, I mean, like you said, uh, not it's not making any excuses for the jokes, but if you look at most comedy from that time yeah. period, you're going to see similar oh, jokes yeah, that you just th- don't fly. Today. These guys don't have anything on Johnny Carson. I'll just yeah. <laughs> just say that. But yeah, it's uh, I do I do also really briefly want to touch on the Tim- Timothy Leary scene too. Oh, loved it when I was watching it. I was like, ah, that's Timothy Leary. Yeah. So, long story short, they end up having to break into a mental asylum. Yeah. Uh, I think it's to like get some money back from uh-huh. a guy who who uh, was escaped from there that that uh, burned him. But uh, uh, Cheech gets mistaken for a mental patient that's supposed to be there, so they lock him up. Chong uh, gets mistaken for a doctor and is given access to all the drugs, but right. he doesn't have the keys to free Cheech. So he goes and finds somebody. To help free him yeah. ends up being Timothy Leary, who offers them, quote, the key to all your problems. Or what is it? Yeah, the, the key, key to the to universe. Escape. Yeah, or the key to your escape, escape, which ends up being acid. Yeah, because the reality man. Is, yeah, exactly. Reality <laughs> is the true shackles yeah. of, of humanity. <laughs> Great. Yeah, so absolutely uh, beautiful little was, scene there. Uh, I actually, love that. I really did like enjoy a lot. Oh yeah, it's so stuff. goofy. It I mean, is. it's 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 a turn your brain off yeah. and and just yeah, giggle at sure. stupid shit movie. Get and with stupid. It's extremely effective. I mean, you can tell that half of what was even said in the movie wasn't written. They're just yeah. ad libbing oh, so much of it. On skits based on you know what they yeah, had done. Exactly. You know? And but I gotta say the true gems for me are the songs yes always okay what was the the whale one don't they don't they uh is that a different movie oh, i can't remember there's so I, many Cheech and chong movies yeah I, the, the one that i really love is uh um uh the hus- the basketball coach don't kick me off the team wearing high heel sneakers and acting like and i don't think i can sing anymore i think that's my 30s <laughs> yep but that is <laughs> An absolutely great, great yeah. one. That was that was featured in their uh, first film, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I think he sings a, a song about saving the whales in the beginning of this. Oh, yeah. Doesn't he? Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, this, but some really good stuff, you guys. Yes. So if, like I said, have fun with that. And on to the third movie. We right. talk about Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Oh, yes! Which I was, love this movie. It's such a great one. It was one of the the, the first... Uh, Harold uh, and Kumar's. I mean, it was the first Harold and Kumar, but it was one of the first cannabis movies that I'd ever seen. Oh, I see. Um, coming up in, you know, 2004, I was 12 years old. Right. Um, so, you know, hadn't watched a lot of cannabis cinema before that. No. Um, but it w- it's an absolute classic. Brief synopsis. Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle is a 2004 American buddy stoner comedy film directed by Danny Leaner, written by John Horowitz and Hayden uh, Schlossberg. Schlossberg. And, yep. Yeah. Uh, it stars John Cho and Cal Penn and Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> The first installment of Harold of the Harold and Kumar franchise, the film follows Harold Lee, played by Cho, and Kumar Patel, played by Penn, 
on their adventure to a White Castle restaurant after smoking weed. Uh-huh. Hurwitz and Schlossberg developed Harold and Kumar to go, to go to White Castle based on experiences and people from when they attended uh, Randolph High School. Oh. The filmmakers received license permission from White Castle in 2002, which is great because this is probably the first major corporation to back a marijuana-based oh, no cinema. Oh, shit, right. Um, after also consulting with Krispy Kreme. They missed the boat on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, White Castle also contributes uh, contributed to the film's marketing campaign, releasing tie-in products at their restaurants. Uh-huh. Cho and Harris, who portrays a fictionalized version of himself, were ca- were uh, cast early, whereas Penn was added uh, after ad- or attended seven auditions. Wow. wow. Uh, principal photography began in 2003, with filming primarily done in Toronto. So, um, the re- the uh, with the order that we're going in this, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle was, in my opinion, one of a, a kind of a, a genre-breaking cannabis film in that. It wasn't two bumbly stoners. Right. It wasn't people going crazy off right. marijuana. It right. was actually two very smart and highly effective individuals yeah. where your head stoners in the movie. And while yeah. they do go on a very classic, uh, you know, marijuana quest like lots of these movies have. Right, right. Um, I mean, almost every single weed movie that I can think of is based around some sort of quest. To get marijuana. Exactly. Either right. to get weed. For these guys, it was to get food. Right. Or you to know, sell marijuana. Or, or to get, yeah, they had to get weed on the way to get yeah. food. But uh, it's it's kind of uh, it's uh, an early film that you know shows that hey, your typical stoners aren't what the typical stoners are portrayed as. Right. You know, it's all sorts of people from you know very effective uh, people to the bumbling idiots that you see yeah. uh, in commonly in the stoner movies. And that's what we all have in common in this cannabis yeah. nation, people. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> We're um, a wide demographic, us cannabis consumers. Thank you very much. Yeah. And not to mention, it's also, uh, pr- as far as I'm aware, the first uh, cannabis-based uh, cinema to uh, star both, uh, you know, uh, East Asian uh-huh. and Indian uh, stars, which is uh, a really, you know, a great stretch of, of, of showing the wide breadth of people that use cannabis because historically... On a negative sense, it's shown that it's mostly, you know, smoked by black people and Hispanics and then, you know, white culture yeah. uh, uh, adopted it. But, yeah, yeah. but showing that it is really there. There is no rhyme or reason to who's a stoner. It is anybody that you can see on the streets. Anybody. Smokes weed, you know, which is a really cool, you know, even, you ever, there's there's a grandma that has her own. I can't remember what her name is. Please forgive me. But she's there's a grandma that like. Isn't it the Dab and Dab and Gram? Gram, yeah, yeah on yeah. Instagram, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So like, here a lady who's yeah. in her in her senior years, mm-hmm. and she has a daily like thing where yeah. she does a dab and some other stuff. Yeah, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, totally. You know, somebody's grandma. Yep. Anybody. Anybody. It's, it's really cool, but it's a really fun one. Neil oh, Patrick Harris dropping in Doogie is Hauser. super fun because, I mean, he's not really smoking weed. He's on all oh. sorts of fucking party drugs yeah. the whole time. Take your pick. Goes absolutely <laughs> wild. Yeah. You know, there's a, uh, a hand gliding scene. There's yeah. a cheetah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's the, all wild. It's it's like there's even a, what they call extreme uh, extreme shopping. Or, or, <laughs> anyway, I won't spoil the movie, but 
And then this is also followed by a uh, Harold and uh, Christmas, a uh, Harold and Kumar uh, Christmas special too. They did another movie. Oh, I didn't see the Christmas one. Uh, I saw the Guantanamo Bay one. I uh, see now. I haven't seen the Guantanamo Bay oh, one. That one was brutal. So, <laughs> but they do end up smoking weed with George W. Bush. So uh, that's kind of. Oh, fun. you know what? I did see that. Yeah. Now that you talk about it, I did see that. I remember yeah. that scene. So. I mean, and these guys are irreverent. Like, I just love, like, I'm not spoiling anything here, but, um, like, Kumar saves a life. Like, nobody dies. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> like, in the Cheech and Chong and in these, like, in the in this particular, in, in the Kumar run, nobody dies. Like, Kumar yeah. saves a life. And, yeah. you know. And then there's this, there's the gratification. I mean, like of the mound of food that they are able mm-hmm. to consume. Because when they do this big order, I'm just like, oh my god, they're not going to be. And then they actually, I'm like, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. And it's it's fun, uh, you know. Uh, instead of you know, one, all the tragedy and and people dying in Reef from Madness, and yeah. two, just some bumbling idiots who end up. What they, didn't they end up with strippers at the end of Nice Dreams? Oh, or in a strip club. It's there something, was like several yeah. times they ended up with um, naked women in yeah. various forms. Yeah, another. Uh, yeah. In, uh, <laughs> Harold and Kumar are true heroes in yes. this in this film and end up with the uh, the positive heroic ending. Yes. You know, one guy gets a girl. I won't go too much more detail that, but um, they end up reaching their goal. It's a very very fun movie. Yes, it it's, is, it's, and it's a and it's a nice little tale about friendship as yes. well and how sometimes your friends can test you yeah how you rise above or yes yes, so yes. and oh. you know it wasn't you know based on a crime other than smoking weed you That's know right. the other two is with organized crime yeah. and then them trying to sell weed but now yeah. the held and kumar are just trying to get some food and stay stoned along the way <laughs> and god bless them for amen. that amen amen well on that note Thanks for listening to Cannabis Nation. We hope this has shed light on your most burning questions and dankest desires. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Cannabis Nation Podcast. And like something and follow us, too. Yeah, do those things. Right? This is Susan. And I am Nick.